0: Welcome to this episode 37 of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and I'm recording this on Friday, the 23rd of June, 2017. This week, I'm speaking with Cathy Krauser from Anxie Magazine. If you're a Stack subscriber, you should already know Anxie pretty well, because it's the magazine we delivered to subscribers last month, and which exists to smash stigmas around mental health. Catty was in London last week to give a talk at the Mad Culture shop and she dropped in at Somerset House the next day for a quick chat about their aims with the magazine and how they go about actually making the thing. As you'll hear, Catty is nine time zones away from the rest of the team who are on the west coast of the US. But as we're hearing more and more these days, physical distance just doesn't really seem to be an impediment to people who want to work together in print. Cathy speaks really interestingly about why Anxi did, in fact, need to be a print product and about this sort of exquisite corpse process that saw individual teams working separately before bringing the whole thing together and how exciting it was for her to see this magazine forming in front of her eyes. If you're a Stack subscriber and you've already enjoyed Anxi, I hope that this will give some context and a deeper understanding of what the magazine's all about. And if you're not a subscriber, but if you'd like to join our magazine club, go to stackmagazines.com and use the code PODCAST for a discount off our regular prices. It's worth saying Anxi costs 20 pounds to buy in the shops over here, but with our discount, you could sign up to stack from just six pounds 30 or 13 euros 50 or $13.50 including delivery. So uh, it's a pretty good deal. Basically, there is just no reason for you to not subscribe to Stack if you are listening to this podcast. So that's enough of my promotions. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Cathy Krauser from Anxi Magazine. All right, so I'm here with Katy Krauser, the contributing editor of Anxi Magazine. Cathy, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Very nice to have you here so you're in london because you were doing an event at jeremy's shop last night
1: correct yes we did and how'd that go that went very well we were lucky enough to catch one of those london nights that were very very warm and summery so it turned out lots of people who had bought tickets then canceled at the last minute but what that meant was that we had a very Sort of interested small group of people who were really into talking about it. I was actually surprised. I thought people were like eager to leave because it was just nice and warm outside, but they didn't. They were like, they had one question after the other. <laughs> you had the
0: hardcore. You had the ANXI had... hardcore. Yes, I did. All right, so because you're here, um, you, were, you were here last night talking about anxiety at the Mag Culture Shop, and that's why you've come in here today because we've got this new magazine called Anxiety which is made on the west coast of um, the US. Yes. But you're not on the west coast of the US. No. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the magazine, what is it, and how did you get involved?
1: Yes, I can. ANXI is a magazine about, well, mental health in the widest sense. We call it a magazine that explores our inner worlds. Um, But the aim really is to smash stigmas around mental health to say, like us see an official slogan. Um, I got involved with it because, so I'm gonna launch into like a little bit of a longer story here now, right? Um, I started suffering from depression at the end of, sort of in late 2014. Around the same time, I started working at, like doing a stint at Medium in New York, working with Matter Magazine. Um, so those two things coincided. The depression then got worse and I wrote about it. Um, I wrote an article about depression and social media use that got quite a lot of traction, went around a lot because it sort of like seemed to hit the nerve at that moment. Um, then uh, when some of my fellow editors at Matter got involved with ANXI, They then contacted me and said, hey, we've we've started working on this thing here that seems to be right up your alley, you know, (laughs) because it's something that I had sort of dealt with openly, publicly before. And... um they got involved with it basically because so the founder is Indira Rojas, who is a graphic designer, runs a graphic design studio in Berkeley, in California. And she's done a lot of work with Medium. And I think that's how that connection then came along.
0: Right, I see. I see. So you've got like a little network of people who are over on the West Coast and they knew you already and they got interested. Because So are you in Berlin these days?
1: I'm based in Berlin right. still, yes.
0: And so, what was the actual experience? so, what do you do as contributing editor on this magazine?
1: So, it's interesting. I thought in the beginning, I thought it would be a lot harder to, you know, to be part of a team that is not only it's not even spread around the world. It's like, they're all in one place, more or less. I mean, they're spread out the Bay Area, but I'm nine time zones away. Um, it has been a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, I think one thing is that it's a team that's very used to communicating digitally anyway. So they're always on Slack. They're on Slack a lot more than, than I am. But it's something so that like, allows me to participate in it at any point. And the thing we did from the beginning was that we sort of we, we split up responsibilities. So I think that also makes it easy. If you look, for example, when we launched the Kickstarter campaign, I said I would take care of PR, basically, for that. I was like, try to publicize it as much as possible. And that was something I could just do. I didn't need anyone for it. And I like, we communicated constantly, and told them, you know, if you know anyone at this publication, could you follow up? Some, but in... It was possible for me to just do that without having to sort of be in a room with other people. And it was a bit similar when we then started working on the magazine because we had regular meetings that I attend via video call. The editor in chief actually moved away. She moved, from, she moved to Portland mm-hmm. um, shortly after starting work on issue one. So she then participated by video call as well. Right. So it felt like, that felt very natural. And again, it was quite easy to split up work that way.
0: Uh-huh. And so in, when it comes to the stuff that you were splitting up, I mean, like, were you commissioning? Were you copy editing? What, what was your responsibility?
1: We split it up by section, basically. We said, um, so another editor and I, we were responsible for front of book and, and back of book. We said we wanted to do like, the. the Cause we had this mix of we want both practical advice and um opinion and lighter stuff, so we split it up that way and there were like another editor was was responsible for um for essays one was responsible for reported pieces one was responsible for photography so that's how we sort of you know split it up mm-hmm. it made it i mean even though we all always checked in and read pieces, as drafts as they were coming in and like, talked about things. There was this weird sense that I have never yet experienced when making a magazine that you wouldn't really know what it would be until the very last minute when it all came together, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So so to a certain extent, you have that whenever you make a magazine. But in this case, it was like you had no idea what the others sort of really were bringing in, you know? So you had a vague idea. But when I first saw the PDF to proofread, that was like, oh, my God, this is, this is what we're talking about all this time. This of like, magically came together.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, okay, so you were back of books, so you're responsible for the brilliant little like quizzes and games that come at the end of all this. Uh,
1: partly. Um, Katie McBride, who's the other editor, she also brought some of those in. So, okay. we had, so we split those up. So depending which one you refer to, I might be
0: responsible for not... So, the, so this, because it feels like... We should say, actually, the, the this first issue was themed around anger. Yes. And that means that it's, in some places, not terribly easy to read. You're, you're dealing with very strong, often negative thoughts.
1: Yes. I mean, I think one thing... We were we wanted to question. We want to question with anxiety generally. Is this idea of negative and positive when it comes to f- thoughts and feelings? So I think that's you know there's something that I feel p- might p- sort of be a common thread through it. We think like is this really? So we open. That's actually something we open with in the ma- in the magazine. Where we treat anger something as something very just as something biological. You know what is anger biologically? What is it evolutionary? What, what what's its purpose? And that is meant to already reframe your view of, of anger a little. Mm. See, like, this is not, it's not, anger isn't a negative emotion in itself. Anger is a very useful emotion, that's so why we have it. Um, and then how people sort of deal with it, experience it, of course, that's then open to, but often that's their own interpretation, I guess.
0: But so, okay, so maybe it's not negative situations, but it's people dealing with very difficult situations. Um, And so then at the end of the magazine, there are these fun little quizzes and games that you can play to see... Um, I'm thinking of Kevin Braddock's cartoon, which I'm oh, yes. sure will have that, been through yes. you. That's a <laughs> Fellow Berliner. <laughs> yes.
1: Not anymore, unfortunately. Has oh, so he moved? No, he's moved to London. Ah. He lives here now, yeah.
0: Okay, all right. But so that feels like, well, when I was reading it, hmm. I read it as... Because uh, obviously I saw it all in one go, unlike you, mm-hmm. the first time. And so I thought, okay, here you go. You've got a, a magazine which has a lot of people dealing with difficult situations. Let's give some lightness at the end, but it sounds like maybe that's not actually how it was intended.
1: I don't think that was how it was intended. I think we always, it was very clear from the beginning that we wanted to get as broad a spectrum on the uh, on the feeling, on the idea of anger as possible. And um, there is um so lightness was always in the mix. Um, so it wasn't like something we said, like, okay, we need this counterbalance. It was more like, I mean, we sort of said, you know, we like, oh, we'd like a comic because that's kind of a nice, it's just like a fun... Piece of content, like it's a fun format to play with, but the, content, the comic could have been really dark and horrible as well. So it wasn't like that has to be funny. And I don't think, and even like Kevin's piece isn't even. I mean, it's just that I think that he's got that that sort of dark humor to it. But it's I don't think he meant it as particularly funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looking across independent magazines more generally, I've noticed that mental health is something that has been. Popping up with more, with greater regularity. So, if I think of the last issue of Beard last year, mm-hmm. the mental health special, or if I think of um, the stress report from the DO Lectures, it feels like independent magazines are a good mechanism for exploring the complexity of mental health. How? D- As someone who's just worked on an independent magazine about mental health, how does that strike you? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I think... So last night at the event, Jeremy also made that same observation. He said he's sort of observing micro-trends in magazine publishing, and mental health seems to be one of those micro-trends now. So I was thinking about where that could come from. And I I can only say what it was what was the thinking behind Anxi, And maybe that can make more sense of the micro-trend. Because the thinking behind Anxi was... So, again, going back one step, everybody involved in Anxi magazine, except me, is from a purely digital background. I actually think, I mean, they might... <laughs> I'm like, I shouldn't say something that's not true, but I actually think that none of them has really worked in print. Ever, sort of, or not at, at least, not maybe as a writer, but at least, sort of like making a print publication. Um, so, when they first approached me and they told me we want to make this as a print magazine, I was like, why? You're all sort of super experienced digital editors and designers. And then we started talking about it, and it was not, the idea wasn't really, like so what many people say when they make a print magazine, it's like, well, we want to have this quiet and calm reading experience. But it was something, the idea from the start was, we want to make something that's beautifully designed so you can actually sort of carry it around with you. And in a sense, so I've, I've always seen it as this kind of Trojan horse thing. You make something that doesn't look like, you know, a mental health publication. And that way you get people who wouldn't otherwise... Think or talk about something like this, you get them to think about it, to engage with it. And that's sort of a step on in this case from the internet, because I think there has been quite a lot of um, that, you know, sort of publishing and, and and community building and debate around mental health issues online. I think the whole personal essay boom was very much sort of driven by that as mm, well.
0: Mm.
1: But that was always there was always something. <laughs> Felt was maybe the wrong word, but it was still like the, the sort of it felt more private, in a sense, because you can sort of in the, on the internet you can hide, you can so if you have corners, you have anonymity, you can which is which is amazing, you know, which is super useful for this. So in this case, it feels like making something in print actually goes a step further by just being a lot more self-confident, and say we don't need to you know have we don't need to sort of we can't we we mustn't just talk about this in forums. We can go out into the world with this, and sort of like proudly carry it under our arm and like put it on our coffee tables. So I don't know if that is also behind the um, the general like the, the, that micro trend of of in pub, of indie publishing, but it could be that that simply that people feel more like there's a need for for those magazines now because there aren't and because they, we have sort of exhausted what we want to do online
0: mm, mm. and so when you were writing online uh, about your own uh, problems with depression mm-hmm. do you think that you would have approached that differently if you were going to be writing for print or if you were because you, you talk about the whole like you know sort of the very personal nature of being able to write something especially in medium which you open the browser and you just want to start writing straight away mm. would that make it different do you think
1: Oof, I don't know. What I do know is that um, I feel this is something this is something very personally. I can't speak for my fellow editors of at for, uh, for with this right but personally I feel that um, because personal essays have such a or I associate them so much with the internet, that seeing them now in our print, in a print magazine, feels slightly weird. And I feel like, I don't know if this is simply because I'm so used to different context, or if print actually demands a different kind of personal essay. I haven't found an answer to that question yet. I think always in print you sort of, the thing we were very conscious of from the start was this idea of we have to make sure everything we do has the kind of weight that you need in print and whether that's treatment something visual you know it doesn't have to be sort of like that doesn't mean serious it just means I think you can tell when you see something in a print magazine that should actually be online you know you could, it, you, there isn't something you can't say oh it's because of this and this but a bit like porn you know it when you see it
0: <laughs> yeah you, I've, okay I like the analogy with porn as well so we sent this out to stack subscribers last month and it went down really, really well, which I was obviously very pleased to see. Um, Me too. Yeah, well, (laughs) um, one of the things that people, uh, talked about the most is this idea that again, because it's the anger issue, it was somehow reflecting a broader social feeling at the moment. Mm. And then from the editor's letter, the, the, you know, Indira makes it clear that that wasn't the intent. You know, she, she'd been planning to make this first issue on anger from the start. But did that play into the way that you were commissioning and the way that you were putting this magazine together?
1: I mean, it definitely played into a lot, many, many debates we had while making um, this issue. It was quite difficult it was like politics got in the way you know (laughs) um in the end we we sort of i think we we made the compromise we said we can't be we have to give some nods to the situation um because otherwise we'll just it'll just feel like you know where what planet are you from but we didn't want to make it a political issue and also at the time i mean it seems unthinkable now but at the time we're like. Oh, my God! you know this still has to be this still has to be correct and valid in six months' time, and who knows what would happen? You know if we'd known that everything would be exactly the same in six months. <laughs> it could have been more daring in that sense, but um, we didn't know that.: So I think we have one essay in here that references Trump, and we have one big feature about politics and societal split in Turkey, which I think is a really strong story and and works really well as a um, as sort of a you know a placeholder for everything else because it feels sort of symbolic of of things that are happening in, in or at least what happening in many countries. Mm. Um, I, so I thought that
0: Turkey piece as well served really well to move things from the very personal to the, a, a much broader um, structure. So it's it's about. Um, parents in turkey whose children have been drafted into the military and they've been killed and the the way that they come together the parents come together to i guess remember the kids and try to help each other Mm -hmm. that like a story like that i think has such a different weight as you were saying before to someone who's talking about their own personal feelings which obviously is incredibly powerful to an individual but I think to step back and look at the broader scope like that I thought was a really interesting approach to take for this magazine.
1: Yes I agree and I think that's something that will probably come up so if the right balance is something that will you know will will be an issue for something we'll we'll debate a lot and for future issues. I had Somebody asked me yesterday at the event about you know this trend in what she called she was talking about you know that mental health so the, like the, what she called the trend of generous of interest in mental health and she said um, you shouldn't really call it mental health anymore people are starting to call it mental wellness and I sort of like you know while we were talking I sort of thought about it. It's like this term doesn't really strike me as correct somehow. It struck me as weird, for at least for anxiety, mental Mental wellness. wellness, Yeah, for for anxiety. It's like okay, I understand it, but something felt sort of wrong about it. And then I sort of like a few minutes into a conversation, I I caught it and I was like, you know what? You know why I feel it doesn't fit? It's because anxiety isn't about yourself. Anxiety isn't about how do I feel better. It's rather I want to understand, or th- here's how other people feel.
0: Mm.
1: And the ultimate, I don't think that was sort of as, it wasn't an, like an, an, a super explicit aim that we had in the beginning. It, might have, it was always sort of part of it. But only when reading it later did it strike me that that was really the effect it had on me. It's not, I don't think about myself as I read it, but I suddenly look at other people in a different way. And um, finding ways of telling stories that get that have that effect without it only being personal essays, I think, is the challenge. Yeah, yeah. That's where we have to get. We have to think. So how do we? How do you have that? Get people to suddenly see the world through different eyes, without all, all those stories being told in the first person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, the question is then: How do you go about that? What's your next topic going to be?
1: The next topic is currently called work-to-workaholism. Um, I have to admit, I, wasn't, uh, I didn't participate in the first editorial conference because I was down with depression, <laughs> so I missed that. So I don't know um, what, w- where we stand currently with that. We just started working on it, and I have to catch up. I know there's a Google Doc with ideas in it that <laughs> I will start sort of adding to. Okay, this. so you need to do
0: some work on the work issue.
1: I need to do some work on the work issue. Okay. It's a very relevant topic, though, not just. I mean, like, I think it's also for lots of people and in, involved in in the issue. It's it's or oh, involved in anxiety. It's very relevant, but work. Again, I'm sort of going back to a conversation I had with a different person last night who said, you know, why is it... you sort of like, I don't understand why it's still so difficult to talk about mental health. And I said, well, you know, at the end of the day, we live in a capitalist society. And, and your, your value as a human being is often sort of measured by the contribution you can make to the economy. And if you're mentally unwell, that, that ability to contribute is can be severely hampered, like I've seen that in myself, you know, like suddenly the time you can work is sort of cut by half. Um, That doesn't only then sort of limit your your self-esteem, but it also then I think makes it quite hard to get over the stigma at the end of the day because and that can be something that can be ongoing and I think that's that I feel is, is a really hard part about mental health so mm-hmm. I think the sort of work-to-workaholism is a, you know that's a very relevant topic in that sense.
0: Excellent well I'm really looking forward to seeing it and thank you very much for coming in and chatting today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, that's it for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to Catty for dropping in to see us. Anxie is a really brilliant magazine, and I can't wait to see what they do with that work issue. And once again, remember that you can use the code podcast to get our best rates on our subscriptions. The magazines for the July delivery arrived at the warehouse just this week, and I really can't wait to send this next one out. So go to stackmagazines.com and sign up to make sure that your name is on the list and if you've already done all that and you want to make sure you also keep getting these podcasts just search for Stack Magazines in SoundCloud or iTunes and follow us there so we can deliver next week's episode as soon as it's ready basically we've just got a ton of magazine stuff and we either want to deliver magazines to your home or podcasts to your phone Uh, so please do sign up and we'll be back with another podcast on Friday afternoon next week